Y'all all juiced up. This is the church for no one sleeps. When you give out donuts and sun drop, it's legit, man, I'm telling you. Coffee, whatever. I mean, it's just, it's the real deal. It's been like that since day one. I was there for your first day over at the gym uh, back when you had your first service, and it's just amazing to see what God is doing here and through your church. I hope you understand that this is not normal for everywhere else and that you have to protect this, and you have to really work hard uh, to stay focused and stay locked in uh, to what it is God wants you to do. And I love your pastor, uh, Alan Ostrinsky. Hey, that? <laughs> Just kidding. He ain't from Elkmont. Y'all know that? <laughs> that's a real Elkmont name right there. You know, what pastor? I'm Pastor O. Alan O. Over there. That's what we call him. Pastor O. So we have to figure that out. But I give him a hard time. Uh, he's a cool dude. I love Brother Will. He's been a good friend of mine for some time now. And uh, man, your worship team is, is really good, aren't they? Aren't they sharp? And they put in a lot of time and effort. But what you notice, I've been, this is my second service now in here with you guys. There's unity. And there's some investment of time, and there's a desire to, uh, to ma magnify Jesus most of all, above all else in this group. Do you, do you sense that from them? I do. And I appreciate their willingness to invest in you guys every Sunday. And make it, this is not normal, okay? I've got 41 churches I talk to on a regular basis. This is not a normal situation. So you are blessed and highly favored to have the leaders you have and the team that you have in place. And so just take that for what it's worth. Uh, man, listen, I'm excited to be here. I do work for the Limestone Association. I got 41 churches. I run a managed camp Helen over in East Limestone and whatever else they ask me to do. Uh, I miss church life. I miss being in the same church every week, but I'm really become a resource man in the way just connecting people together. Oftentimes I get a request for something. I just try to find the pieces and put them together and, uh, and then help our churches do what they do. And so I enjoy that as well. I get to preach all over the county and a lot of other places. Uh, I get to enjoy doing that. My kids used to travel me a lot and my wife, and then she kind of was missing being in church life. I've got four kids, 19, 16, 11, and 7. And so, yeah, I'm getting that. I'm, I'm there, man. I'm the old guy with the young kids, so I'm kind of tired. And the youngest one has all the bad of all of them wrapped up in one. Okay? And so we love him. Uh, but he's, he's our project kid. And so uh, we're just, you know, we're, we're, we're enjoying life. And so grace, grace be unto us. Pray for us, okay? And, uh, and so, uh, and my kids would go with me for a while, and they'd be like, Daddy, what you going to preach on this week? And I'd tell them, like, we've already heard that one. You know, they're like, I'm not going. And so... They didn't want to hear the same stuff all the time. So, uh, but I do ask God to give me a word for my churches and, uh, from time to time. This is one that I've been on for just a little bit and that I want to share with you this morning. And the context of this conversation is about this banner that's behind me. And uh, this, is not a, this is not a statement from, that I made myself. Uh, it came from Michael Catt from Sherwood Baptist Church. Uh, if you know, know the Fireproof, uh, Facing the Giants guys, all the Sherwood films, that's, that's their church. And this statement was on the back wall of their church for years, probably still is to this day. And it says this, whoever wants the next generation the most will get them. Whoever wants the next generation the most will get them. Now, would you agree with me that we live in a society that is after uh, our kids in a, in, a, in a strong way? Not necessarily always for bad, but oftentimes for whatever purpose they have in mind for them. Uh, the Super Bowl's this weekend, right? I don't care, you know, Eagles. I know he's going to be Eagles, right? Because I forgot West Limestone. We got to go Eagles, you know, go Blake uh, Reed and Quez. And all those guys are great. Uh, my kids got a Mahomes jersey, don't shoot me, okay, I got to deal with that, and so uh, he's all about some Super Bowl, and today there'll be commercials after commercials, they spend a ton of money on it, advertising, trying to sway your opinion on what you spend your money on and spend your time on, and a lot of those will be directed not at you, but at your children, because they believe that the, the most, the, the most um, significant uh, purchaser of materials and movement of, of information in our world is actually our children more than us. They decide where we're going to go eat, where we're going to live, and and uh, what kind of car we're going to drive, uh, what kind of clothes they're going to wear, what kind of phone they're going to have. Most kids have a nicer phone than I have. Can I get a witness? 
you know, and I got all them cameras on there and all that cool stuff. I mean, I, you know, I don't have a flip phone. I've been gone with that for a little while. But, uh, you know, it's just amazing to me how you got you to have it. And in our society, we're more worried about our kids being happy than we are them being holy. That's the truth of the matter. We're more worried about them being happy than we are them being holy. And I just want to tell you as a parent, my job is not to make my kids happy. And they know that. In fact, when they're mad at me, you know what that means? I'm doing my job. Amen. Every once in a while, they need to be mad at me. Because I told them no or whatever. It happened to me. I'm going to pass it on, right? I mean, that's the way it is. But at the same time, my job is to direct them and to invest in them in a way they can become all that God wants them to be. With Christ as my foundation, there's some responsibilities I have with that which God has given me. Now, have y'all recognized or realized, I'm going to ask this question real quick in this room, because this is a little bit fuller room than it was at the early service, but there was a big crowd this morning for that as well. How many of you uh, uh, grew up and graduated from a high school in Limestone County? Oh, this is more like what it is right here. How many of y'all came from somewhere else? Raise your hand. Say, okay, this is sort of the normal. So it's about 75% usually in most churches I go to uh, of, the, of the dynamic of people that are from here and people that are from other places. My question is always, why are you here? <laughs> you know? Local folks are like, we used to have Mayberry, and now we have all these people. And whether you like it or not, uh, it's happening, right? Uh, and so, you know, every town is like a little phrase of, of how they, what, what their little catchphrase is, like a great place to live or, you know, uh, gateway to the south or whatever. I think Limestone County's new thing at the Welcome Center is going to be, ready or not, here they come. That's our new welcome sign, okay? And so we can replace that besides the rocket. We can put the little sign up there that says, well, you're not, y'all get tore about the rocket, don't you? I've heard about that rocket, man. Y'all, I mean, social media was blowing up. You'd think somebody was sacrificing babies, man. It was getting real. And, uh, you know, and I, I got things the other day. I said, man, that rocket really represents a lot of us. We look really decent on the outside, but on the inside, we're crumbling. And, you know, even though it's a detriment, we're like, we'd rather, we'd rather fall on somebody than move it, right? And so... Again, this is what it is, and I'm not trying to say I want them to move. I want them to bring it to my house. I want the rocket, amen? You're like, I got a farm. I got some plate. Let's put it on the ground over here. I, want, I just want the top of the rocket so I can hang out in a little capsule. Wouldn't that be cool? I'd let bury it in the ground, doomsday prepper. I'm ready, man. Let's go. And uh, that was for free. But anyhow, uh, you know, that, that rocket represents so much. We kind of have an outside of facade, but inside there's some rotten things going on. And in church life, what I'm finding, and not all churches, but in a lot of churches, we're more concerned about personal preference than we are reaching the next generation for Christ. We're more interested in kind of having arguments and, and making comments and even social media posts about what's wrong in society except, instead of what's right with God. What are we for more than what we're against? I'm for a whole lot more than I'm against, I promise you. I'm for a lot of things. And so in Psalm 78, we're going to jump in here in just a minute. I want to say this while you, while you turn to Psalm 78. When, a, when church members' personal preference take priority over the mission God has given us, your church begins to lose the next generation. When personal preference become the most important thing over the mission that God has given your church, you begin to lose the next generation. See, I believe that what happens in children, I know out back y'all got a foundation going for a kid's building. Y'all excited about that? I'm pumped about it. I'm really excited. We're just praying for parking, right? The next is the parking deck. That's the next thing. The first parking deck in the Altmont's going to be right here. All right? Hey, if you build it up, man, if you can't build it out, build it up. All right? That's expensive. But yeah, maybe you can rent it out to the rest of this town during the week because it's so busy up here. You may need a parking deck in the Altmont. <laughs> oh, that was funny. That was good. I used to live in Altmont. It's okay. I, I, I know the deal. All right? And so I've been up here for a while. Uh, but yeah, when personal preferences take over, sometimes it just it ruins the vision and forward thinking of a church. You've got to always be pushing and going and thinking. Because what happens behind these doors, back there in those classrooms, affects two generations of kids that have not yet been born. 
You understand? Like, I'd rather spend every dollar I've got on kids before I spend a dollar on an adult. Because you people are crazy. I'm the only one of them. Adults are so hard to move. And they're so hard to get buy-in. And they're so hard to get off kind of their own deal because we all kind of live in our own little world. And man, I'm telling you, the impact you can have with a kid so much outweighs sometimes what you can do with an adult. And I'll tell you why here in just a minute, all right? So in Psalm 78, whoever wants the next generation the most will get them. I'm going to go ahead and read the entirety of this text. And then we're going to walk through it together and just have a couple little jump-off points and conversation. And then I'll be out of here before Alan will get you out of here. I know he's watching. That's for you, buddy. All right? We're going to eat chicken early today. All right. Psalm 78, verse 1. Give ear, O my people, to, the, uh, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in, parable, in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, uh, telling to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he has done. For he has established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come, verse 6, might know them the children who would be born, that they may arise and declare them to their children, that they may set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. And may not be like their fathers, a stubborn and a rebellious generation, a generation that did not set its heart aright and whose spirit was not faithful to God. Psalm 78 kind of grabs our attention here in verse 1. And it makes a statement that somebody in your life has probably made before. You ever had somebody say something like, hey, listen here. I've got something real important to say. I had a school teacher say, listen with your eyes. Look at me when I'm talking to you. Usually that's not a bad thing. Usually, you know, uh, and they want you to lean in and listen. And in verse 1, we see this give, O ear. Give ear, O my people, to my law. Uh, incline your ears to the words of my mouth. So there's an, something important that's about to be shared here in Psalm 78 that needs your attention, that needs our attention, that needs our minds kind of wrap it around to kind of focus in on what it is that needs to be said. And sometimes, I find in my life, when I've got something really important to say, it's not always the loudest thing. Sometimes it's something quiet because I want you to lean in and listen and really focus on what's going on. But when it's really important, it's the tagline, it's the most important thing, we tend to try to get attention to get to that point. And so this morning, I want to share with you a couple things. Uh, one, it's, it's the responsibility of each parent or grandparent is that our kids and grandchildren know God's word, that they understand that the key to success is to know, know God, to love him, and to be obedient to him. We're going to unpack that this morning here in this text. So the first thing I want to share with you is uh, we must tell the next generation about God's greatness. We must tell the next generation about God's greatness. Let me ask a little question and kind of do a straw poll according to Lindsay Lane North. How many of you know that Jesus saves? Anybody? Does anybody here know uh, that our God restores broken relationships, or he's able to? Does anybody know here that God's able to deliver from addictions and situations and circumstances? Anybody know that? Does anybody, anybody know here, uh, not only is God a restorer and a, and a savior, but he's also a healer? Does anybody know God's a healer? Maybe they've got testimony of that. And so how are other people going to know that unless you share your story? See, people, we, we, we talk in the word about what God has done in the past, but this generation also needs to know what God is doing in the present. Is God not active? Is he not involved? Is his fingerprints not all over our life? Listen, already in the testimony of this church, you have seen and identified the fingerprints of God in the ministry of this place. 
I mean, y'all weren't here three years ago. Amen? Y'all, I mean, there's only, it was like, what, 25 people? So God's already done an exponent through COVID. Hello? Worst time in the, we didn't know it was the worst time to plant, to plant a church. Planted a church, and all of a sudden, all that stuff broke loose the next spring, and you're trying to start a work, and here it is, you're here. You're in two services, building a building, trying to make some room for kids and people that you want to reach and connect with. You've got a presence in the community. I know you guys are up here at the, at the ball field doing all kinds of stuff at Texas Stand and working all, I mean, I know you're doing all kinds of things, uh, and that's great, and that's awesome, but why are we doing it? And we're doing it so we can reach the next generation with the gospel of Jesus Christ and to teach them things that matter in eternity. We want to teach the next generation about God's greatness. And that's to come from your personal testimony of what God is doing in and through your life. Now, you'll know this in Deuteronomy uh, 6, 1 through 9. Uh, it's, it's when God kind of tells his, tells his people that you need to be sharing the truths of God. You need to pass them down to your children and tell them the things of God. And my question is for myself and for you as well. What am I doing intentionally to do that which God's called me to do? My first place of responsibility is the home in which I've established. My first spot of responsibility is with the kids that God's put under my care. See, we've done a lot of research back in the day, and I was a student pastor for a long time, about why kids leave the church or why young people don't stay. It's not because of the worship. It's not because of the translation of the Bible you use. It's not even because of the location of the church or what time you have church or whether you have sun drop and bananas, sun drop and donuts or not. Bananas next week, I just told y'all. That's, that's sorry, surprise. Secret treat next week is bananas. And, and uh, that would not, that's, that's kind of foamy. That's be kind of rough, man. If you've ever done that before, it's not good. And so anyways, that's a freebie. Uh, that was just for free. And so uh, that, that those, those kids are my responsibility. And I have, an, I have responsibility to them to show them what it is God would have them to be and do and to teach them about the greatness of God. And I need to hear about it from my own life and from the word of God. So the first thing is we must tell, tell the next generation about God's greatness. Look what it says in the text. Give, O ear, my people to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old. Verse 3, which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children. Did it say that the church should share it? that the government should share it. It said that the fathers should share it. You know that the most significant relationship in a child's life is their father. And I was talking about why kids leave, and here's the deal. The number one reason why students and young people don't stay with the church is this, because they see nothing of significance in the daily life of their parents concerning their spiritual walk with God. Hear me again. They see nothing of significance in the daily walk of their parents or in the way they make decisions in relationship to their connectivity to God. It was a Sunday-only thing. It didn't, they didn't ever talk about praying for things. They never talked about struggles. They never talked about the Word. Actually, I remember as a student pastor, sometimes when I would pray for a kid that was a 15, 16-year-old, it was the first time somebody called their name out to the Lord in, in, in person to them, for them. I guess it should be the first time our kids are prayed over. Or the first time somebody gives their name to God or petitions on their behalf. And so we need to understand our responsibility to share about the greatness of God in and through our life for the benefit of the next generation. We won't conceal them from their children, but tell the generation to come the praise of the Lord and his strength and his wondrous works that he has done. To neglect to teach our children these things 
as a, to deprive them of God's precious truth, truth about God, truth about life, and truth about themselves. So let me show you the second thing here. That's number one. Ready? Number two. We need to teach, uh, must teach the next generation God's word. We must teach the next generation God's word. I know we live in a time where everything's questioned and everything's kind of like, oh, that's not true. Did God say that? Uh, we need to understand creation. Listen, I don't care. And this is, y'all, y'all fixing to throw me out in the side. Seven days, 7,000 years, I don't care. Old earth, young earth, I don't care. But God did it. Amen? There's no way you can walk outside and say there's some kind of random thing going on out here. That just happened, you know, just a bunch of stuff falling into each other and it created all the things we've seen. If you've traveled the world at all, if you've traveled Limestone County, you see everything. And you're thinking, man, there's something going on. Go hang out in the hospital and you find out God's real. It's amazing to me what's going on. But here it is in 2023, and even people inside the church that claim Jesus as Savior are having discussions and conversations about whether or not people are male or female. Or we're having conversations about whether or not a child has a right to live. That should be kind of like a non-negotiable for those that claim Jesus is king. It should just be expected that we understand that every life is a perfect, is a gift from God, and that everybody's fearfully and wonderfully made, no matter what their situation or circumstance. I mean, see, I mean, uh, uh, you know, abortion and adoption actually are the same thing, except one lives in life and one other lives in death. Give an opportunity for somebody. I mean, they're both, they're both taking care of an issue and a need, but the adoption's a whole lot bigger deal. I'm sorry, that's a free one. I'm just telling you guys, we're, we're confusing our society on what it means to follow God when we don't trust God's word and live it out. And so if we're going to teach them God's word, that's an important thing for us to do. So when these kids meet at your church and when they come in Bible school and other things, they ought to be hearing the word of God. Uh, it's not, it ain't just a hangout time. It's a time to talk about the things of God that matter the most. You say, well, I mean, I'm going to help out in the nursery or something like that. Those kids really don't, don't understand what's going on. I'm going to tell you something. They do. They hear more than you think, and it matters into who they are and what they are. We're going to trust God to do a work in their life, but we're going to have a, take care of the responsibility we have to teach them uh, to trust, teach them uh, the word of God. And so the word testimony or witness refers to a declaration of God's expectation or actions by his people. In the maze of moral confusion, God's word serves to guide us. It should have something to do with what we do. I can't tell you how many people and friends I know from the churches I've served in that have kind of shown that like things like marriage really aren't that important. And it's kind of throwaway. If you don't like it and you're in a different place in life, and y'all were kids, it's, it's okay to do something else. I don't know why we've gotten okay with that. I know there's things that happen that you can't control and things that happen that affect the situations that are going on. I know I'm meddling a little bit. I'm just telling you guys. That's why it's important you kind of think about who you're hooking your life up with. I've got, a, I've got a daughter, and she's about to be 12 years old, and people give me a hard time all the time about how am I going to do for her? How am I going to take care of her when it comes time for her to hang out with boys? Well, first of all, she ain't hanging out with boys. I'm just kidding. I, said, Man, I guess she'll tell me, Daddy, whatever. But it ain't happening. You know, my number one rule is all boys lie. That's not in the word, but it's the truth. <laughs> all boys lie. And uh, somebody asked me, what are you going to do when Stella gets old enough to start dating? I said, well, I'm driving and I'm buying. Where are we going? <laughs> Load up. I mean, we're going to roll in there. They may, she may jump in the front seat. I'm jumping in the back. I'm riding. Why? Because I have a responsibility to protect my kid. Amen. From stupid people. They don't have the same agenda that I have. I don't have a problem telling a young man, listen, whatever you do to her, I'm going to do to you. Hello? That don't sound like fun, does it? He'll stay on his side of the car, she'll stay on his. Everything will be great. 
Get her home early. You're on Life 360. I'm going to find you. You will show up. Are you driving too fast? You're getting a text from me. Hey, bro, slow down. All right, I got a friend of mine. I kind of go with it. He, he, when guys come to his house, he'd hand out, he'd hand out, he had out these big old monster bullets. And he'd hand one to the kid. I talked to you for a minute. He handed it to the kid, and he's like, what's this for? He said, man, the next one come a lot faster if you do something stupid. All right, I put that in your pocket, and every time it rubs into your leg, you think of me. All right? And so, listen, I want to put the fear of God in these people. Why? Because I have a responsibility to love my kid and protect her. That's for free. Some of you guys are struggling with that. Mama, don't give your husband a hard time for being hard on that dude. He's trying to protect his kid. That boy needs to be afraid of you. Amen? Hello? He needs to be. He better be. I'll hurt you, man. I'll hurt you. I ain't always love Jesus, okay? All the time I say, I don't mind going back to jail either. You'll get that later. You went to jail? <laughs> I was just visiting other people, but I've been there before. I know what it's like. I know what it's like. <laughs> That was free. That wasn't even in my notes. That was just, somebody needed that. There you go. Okay, there you go. Uh, but we've got, to, we've, got to, we've got to teach our children God's word. Help them establish their convictions and find out why they believe what they believe. Not because just mama said so or daddy said so. I, I'm telling you, one of the worst things you ever hear as a pastor is somebody say, well, my mama said. Man, tell them what God said. Sometimes mama's wrong. Tell me what the Bible says. What did God say? Amen. And sometimes we get hung up on that stuff. And, we get, and then church life, it's the worst. I've got a church right now that's about to go under. And I'm working with them. I'm trying to help them see a future and a forwardness, a forward vision going forward. And I, I, I preached a big word one time about this whole deal, about next generation. I talked about we've got to find our vision going forward. We've got to find where people are at. We've got to be open and listen. You have plans and dreams, but God's got, a, God's got a plan. And our goal is to find out what that is that God wants to do and go do it. As a church and as a family, as a community of believers, we need to jump in on that. And I got to the back door and I just said, man, our thing right now is to pray for a future leader and pray for God to keep us unified and pray for God to give us a mission and pray for God to give us a burden. And I got to the back door and one of the leaders of the church stopped me and he said this. He said, oh, Kevin, I just, you know, growing up, my, my mom always said, I hope there'd always be a church here on this corner. Well, man, there ain't nobody living here no more. You can come have a church here, but there ain't nobody here. Man, mama's not the deal. Jesus is the deal. And sometimes God doesn't trust our churches with new people because he doesn't know if we'll take care of them or not when they come. See, I've come to the conclusion that our, our, our God is a good shepherd. Our Jesus is a good shepherd. He takes care of his sheep. And if you're going to reach people like you need to reach and reach this next generation, he needs to know he can trust you with lost people. When they come, they're going to hear God's word. And they're going to be loved on. They're going to be challenged towards truth. And not just whatever's going on in the social status of the world. He's got to know he can trust you with the people that he's bringing your way. So that's number two. We've got to teach the next generation God's word. Number three, we must teach the next generation to trust God. Let me show this to you here in verse seven. Let me go, let me go five, six, and seven. I didn't read five and six again, but I will. Five, six, and seven. Here we go. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children that the generation to come might know them, the children who would be born, that they may arise and declare them to their children, that they may not, but they may set their hope in God and not forget the works of God. How sad is that? These aren't kids that aren't coming from a household of faith. These are kids that are coming from a family that already knows who God is. And they're having to be, they're having to be reminded and having to be challenged 
that what they do with that kid in front of them affects two generations that have not yet been born. How do you get to that conclusion? Does anybody here have a, ever had a significant grandparent in your life that invests in your life that you, maybe you miss dearly, maybe they've already gone to glory or whatever else, but I know I've had some in my life, man, that just, they just got our attention in a way that our parents, they'd say the same thing our parents were saying, but they, when they said it, it was gold, right? When our parents said it, it was like, that's dumb. <laughs> but when they say it, it was like, oh, that's a cool thing. Granddaddy said that was the way it is. That's the way it's going to be, right? And listen, those kids in those classrooms back there, one day they're going to be somebody's grandparent. And they're going to affect generations of kids that have not yet been born. So if a church is going to go broke, go broke on kids. And do whatever it takes to connect them to Jesus. Whatever it takes. Be displaced. Park down the street and ride a shuttle bus. Whatever it takes. Amen? Whatever it takes to get kids in the house, to hear the word of God, and be touched by the presence of God, we, wanna, we need to make that happen and inconvenience any adult we need to. I've got one church that's, that has no kids in it. There's not one many. There's several churches that have, that have no children in it. But they've got stagnant buses sitting in their parking lot. I'm like, crank that thing up and go get somebody. We live in a generation of people that will give you their children if you'll come get them. Do you know that? You've got neighbors and kids around you. You need to listen. You need to, you need to connect. Say, listen, if you're coming here with empty seats in your car, you need to at least have invited somebody to fill that seat every week. Don't come here. You, I'm not using those gifts and talents that God's given you. Let God use you and the relationships you have to fill those seats and connect people with Jesus. And I'm going to tell you why that matters here in just a minute. Now, we talked earlier about people that are coming new to our area. And in conversations, we begin to talk about things like this concerning a new generation. The world has come to Limestone County. And I found in my life, like if I was to go visit Brother Will and say, Will, hey man, I want you to come to my church. I met your family, you got a sweet family, and I want them to come be a part of my, I'm at Lindsay Lane North. I want you to come, and they're like, he's like, okay man, man, thank you for coming by. Thanks for praying with us, thanks for the invitation. Hey, we'll, you know, sometime we'll surprise you and we'll show up. Any of y'all ever said that before? I'm going to surprise you one day, preacher, and I'm going to show up. Then you go to this other house, you knock on their door, and you say, hey man, I want to invite you to our, to our church. This is our new service at 1045, and they'll say something like this. And they're both saying the same thing. They'll say, uh, hey, if, if I want to go to church, I'll let you know. Don't pray for me, and don't talk to me anymore about church. They're both saying the same thing. He's being nice about it. I'll, I'll, get there. I'll, I'll surprise you sometime. That's the culture we're dealing with, and you just keep asking. You keep inviting. You keep doing what you got to do. I've got a friend of mine that invited a family that she had been to their house several times. She'd been there for Christmas. She'd been there for birthday parties and bought them gifts and all kind of things. She invited them. To, finally got the, got the gumption to invite them to church one Sunday, and she invited them because she saw this generation of kids sitting there that were not being connected to the, to, the, to the local church and not connected to the Word of God, and she invited them to come. And you know what that mama said? I'm talking about this woman, Christmas cards and birthday cards have been over there and brought them baked goods. Hello, welcome to the South. And that woman said, don't ever ask me again about anything spiritual. If we won't do it, we'll go find it for ourselves. And she's like, broken. What do I do with that? I said, now you know how to pray. Don't take offense to it. Don't say I'm not going to share ever again because somebody told me no. You didn't come the first time God drew, drew you either. You didn't come the first time you were invited either. So we stay after because these things matter. And if we want the next generation the most, they need to know we're going to go kicking and screaming trying to get them in this place to hear about God and be connected to his truth. So thirdly, we must teach the next generation to trust God. We must teach them to trust God. How do you teach people to trust God? How do you do that? How do you teach people to trust God? You should trust God. You tell them that you're trusting God. When's the last time in all vulnerability you've had to tell your kids or family, listen, I don't know what to do here, I'm just going to trust God with this. 
Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's a job situation. Maybe it's a family decision. It's okay to declare that you don't have the answer. It's okay to say, listen, I'm going to just stay on the word and the promises of God and just wait, and wait till God says something. Wait till God moves. And just, I'm going to look content. I'm going to walk in this until God makes a move. It's okay. And the more you learn to trust God, the more you'll trust God. And it's amazing how that works. But it walks hand in hand. How will our kids know that if we've never shared that with them? Verse 7 begins with an objective or a reason for teaching the coming generations that they should put their confidence in God and not forget the works of God. We must teach our children the word of God so they may trust in God for faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Listen to this. How can we teach our children to trust God? We teach our children to trust God by trusting God ourselves and by sharing stories, both biblical and personal, about God's faithfulness with them. These stories relay how Israel forgot the Lord's works in Psalm 78 and how it resulted in their failures. How could they forget? God had done so many miracles like parting the Red Sea and providing manna from heaven and water from a rock and tower of fire by night and cloud by day. How could they forget such a great deliverance? But we do the same thing. I oftentimes look at the word of God and say, how did they do all that? How can you walk out of Egypt and then want to go back? How can you see God provide a, a future through the, uh, to, to the promised land and then want to have to spend 40 years kind of getting in shape to get there? That wasn't the plan at all. That's the way it had to happen to get them kind of situated to, to the, the, the core group that was rejecting God to get out of the way. And this happens in church life too. Sometimes in a church, when they won't buy into the next generation and what God wants to do, God will wait you out. And sometimes churches get what they want. You hear things like this. I heard this one time. I wish we'd go back. I wish we'd go back to like it was and it was just us. What's that saying? When somebody says that in the church, what are they saying? I wish we'd just quit growing so we ain't got to go to two services. I wish we'd just quit reaching people so we ain't got to build a building. What is that saying? You know what you're really telling people? And I heard this from a great prophet one time. We're full, go to hell. That's what you're saying. And we're not going to perpetuate this ministry that God's given us if we don't understand the value of investing in the next generation. Whoever wants them the most will get them. Whoever will do whatever it takes will get them. We must teach the next generation to trust God. And they need to see that by how we're trusting God in our own lives. Fourthly, we must show the next generation how to obey God. How do you do that? How do you show the next generation how to obey God? Anybody help me out on that one? Obey God. What are some things God's told us to do that shouldn't be like really a big issue for us? Giving, serve, show up, hello. Find out your spiritual gifts and use them to the fullness of God. See, so many times I see people that try to, try, to, try to match yourself up against other people and what their value is in the kingdom of God. Listen, there are some highly tuned athletes going to play in the Super Bowl this weekend. And they've invested time and effort and a lot of sweat and tears and a lot of time in the weight room and coaches. And they hit the right place at the right time, got saw by the right people. And here they are on Sunday playing in the biggest game of the year. And their situation is all dictated about the, the tangible things they can be measured on, right? Like, are they tall enough, big enough, fast enough? That's what the combine's for. Listen, in the kingdom of God, it's not measured by how fast you are, how tall you are, or, or whatever. It's about whether or not you're going to trust God or not. There's no prerequisites for the greatness of God being expressed through your life based on what you're able to do physically. 
It has nothing to do with your age. It has nothing to do with your zip code or address. It has everything to do with whether or not you're going to trust the God of the Word to do what He said He's going to do through your life. I mean, you know, right now, if you guys have watched, there's been a little bit of social media run the last few weeks about uh, some stuff going on in Kentucky, about a little revival breaking out at a school, and it's kind of floating over to some other places. And like, I'm, I'm pumped, and I hope it's real, and I hope it spreads everywhere. But you know, those stories are so far and few between in the States. We hear about them other places around the world, but we don't hear about them in places like Elkmont. We don't hear about them in places like Huntsville. We don't hear about them in places like Nashville. We hear about them in other places far away that God's showing up and showing out in massive ways. And number, thousands of people, even in places like Islamic countries where God's doing crazy stuff and bringing people to him, why is it not happening here? And it may be because we just don't trust God enough to watch it happen. And I'm okay with God doing it in Elkmont, aren't you? Would it be okay if God wants to change the world from Elkmont, Alabama? Is that okay with you? I'm okay with that. Touching the world from Elkmont, God can do that. Our God's able. And you've got to understand how big this is. What's going on is so huge. And it's so much bigger than any one of us. So fourthly today, we must show the next generation how to obey God. Let's look at the text here in verse 7 and 8. Look at verse 7 and 8 again. It says, they may not set, uh, set their hope in God. They'll set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. It may not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that did not set its heart aright and whose spirit was not faithful to God. See, we need to, be, we need, we need to learn how to be doers of the word and not hearers only. What I tell you earlier, that's why so many kids leave. They don't see us doing anything of value in the kingdom of God in our lives, and they wonder why it's such a big deal. Do I go because that's what mama said I should do, or that's what we do? And see, COVID kicked that stuff all in the teeth. When we got used to being home for a while, we found out real quick how deep water our faith was or how much our relationship with the church was. We had to watch it through a screen, and didn't it feel less than? Isn't it better being in person? Amen? There's some things you just can't, you can't get, you can't get sun-dropping donuts at home. We don't send it home. <laughs> Something. You just send a little care package home with a little, a little sun drop, a little donut in the box. You know, <laughs> wish you were here. <laughs> that's, a, that's a new strategy for going forward. You're out there, you know, there it is. But man, teaching them to obey God. Verse 8 prophesies what the results will be like if we don't teach our children the word of God. It says, they will not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that did not prepare its heart and whose spirit was not faithful to God. And it lines out four sins right here that we need to understand real quickly. Four sins that result from not obeying God are listed. Here they are. The stubbornness of those in Israel who refused to be taught the word of God was legendary. The rebellious of those who won't listen to God. The unprepared in heart are those who refuse to establish themselves in the word and, and way of the Lord. And the last one listed are the unfaithful are those who have other priorities that are more important to them than faithfulness to God. Does that not sound like the church in our culture today? It's a church of convenience. It's a church about preference. And it's not a church about vision. You know why people come to your church? Because they want to know if God's real. And they want to be where God's active. That's what God wants. That's what you should want for your church. So whatever it takes, I'd rather try than die as a church. That's always been my motto, try or die. I'm, like, I'm, like, I'm going to try whatever you're going to do. We're gonna, if it doesn't stick, that's great. If it doesn't work, that's okay. We're going to go after it because the next generation out there deserves our best and deserves us being engaged in what's going on. When people drive by your church, something I want them to say. People drive by this all the time, up and down the road here. 
And they may say this, I don't go to church, but if I ever did, that's the first place I'd go. Because they've seen you in the community. No, you're legit. None of you're perfect. We're all a broken mess, amen? We're all a broken mess. If you, if you got time, read the rest of Psalm 78 in your own personal time. The backside's not as much fun as the front side. It's, all, it's, it's just a, a litany of situations and circumstances where the people of Israel continue to watch God do great things and they continue to choose not to obey him, not to follow him. Even though he had proved himself over and over and over again, he had shown himself to be trustworthy. He had shown himself to be worthy. He had shown himself to be a savior. He had shown himself to be a deliverer, yet they still hadn't made their mind up to trust him. So the next generation the most, what's that look like? Here's a tangible story, and I'll wrap this up. Several years ago, uh, there's a story about a young lady, and she uh, is in a family, and, and there's a church close by, and they were having these revival. We used to have revival services going for like a week. It was crazy, you know, a lot of fun. Uh, and, uh, and so they would go out and knock on doors and invite people in canvas areas and invite them to whatever service they were having or whatever. And so they knocked on this particular door, and there was several kids there in the family. They asked them, hey, would you guys want to come to our church? They said, well, if, they had a, if somebody take them, they can go. And they said, well, we'll come back and pick them up next week. Not a problem. We'll get them. And so they came back with a bus the next week and took them to church and did that. Week after week, wasn't just for that week, just kept on bringing them, kept on bringing them. They would give them to them, they'd take them. And uh, her, this, this young lady's family was just a, in a wreck and a mess, and I can't even begin to describe the crazy that was going on, but there was a lot going on. Whatever was going on in the world that you can think of was going on in that house, okay? And... Uh, and so, long story short, she comes to Christ because of that bus ministry. She ends up working in that bus ministry as a teenager, helping other kids find what she has found to be true, that Jesus is trustworthy and he's able to deliver, he's able to save, all that kind of stuff. She grows up, gets older, gets married, has two kids, rolling on with life. That, that pastor, that evangelist that came through that time ended up being the pastor of their church. He ends up actually baptizing her children, even, even, even kind of officiates the ordination service of, that, of one of her children uh, so many years later. This morning, six of her grandkids are in a church. Two, two of them are in Tennessee and four of them are in Alabama. And if it wouldn't been for a church, we're going to do whatever it took. There's no telling what the trajectory of her life would have been going forward. Because see, that girl that they picked up was my mama. And it changed my life forever. Because the church was willing to do whatever it took inconvenience themselves for the sake of a soul. There's only two things going to last forever. You know what they are? The word of God and the souls of men and women, boys and girls. That's it. Everything else is going to be gone. And when Brother James Smith rolled up in her yard and asked that young girl to get on that bus, do you think he knew that one day her son would be a pastor and work at the Limestone Baptist Association and all this stuff? No. But God did. And that engagement and that willingness to step in when maybe a family wasn't doing what they should have been doing at the time, but to en engage that child at her spot radically transformed her life and the life of those that would come behind her. In fact, that bus ride affected two generations that had not yet been born. And so when you start making decisions as a church about what you're going to do going forward, decisions you're going to make, Remember that decisions you make today affect people that have not yet caught Elkmont home. People that have not yet been born in your families. Kids that have not been born yet that will call you grandma and grandpa. And when you think that long distance and in in, in that, that far out in the future, it kind of takes a little bit off what you want. And because it's more about what's going to happen when we do this. 
on how can we make this work. There are a generation of people living in the shadow of this place that they will let you have their kids if you'll come get them, and we should want them. Because whoever wants the next generation the most, they're going to get them. And I just pray for this area that it's Lindsay Lane North that wants them. Bring them all. We'll figure it out, right? Tents in the parking lot. If y'all got to park five miles away and be bussed in on Sundays, is it worth it? Is it worth it? If you got to go to three services, some of y'all got to come on Saturday night to make room for those that are seeking God. Is it worth it? Your church should never have to beg, borrow, and steal to find somebody to, walk, to take care of a nursery, work at Bible school, or handle anything with kids. You know what's sad is churches will start some kind of bus ministry. In fact, there's a church in Moulton right now that's running a bus, running about 70 kids on Wednesday night in a tiny little church that had no children coming. They had to start a Celebrate Recovery program because some of the parents were living in a lot of crazy, and I'm glad God provides resources like that because now all of a sudden they've seen 15 baptisms between the parents and the kids since January. And their church is all hands on deck, and that's their thing. Wednesday nights, they go and get their kids from their community, and they bring them home. And they go after it. It's crazy. It's the wildest thing I've ever seen. And they're inconveniencing themselves for a generation that needs to know God. And some of you are here and saying, well, Brother Kev, I'm not maybe the dad I need to be, or I haven't been the influencer I need to be. The good news is today's a day where God can start something new in your life. You can sit there and kind of take in all the things of what you're not doing. And listen, and most of the time, the devil tells you the truth sometimes. You know that? Somebody tells you all you need to know about yourself. I am a broken mess. But Jesus is Lord. And he's able to take even the broken pieces of our life and make something beautiful out of it. So what, God, what is God going to do at Lindsay Lane North? I don't know. But I think it's going to be great. And I'm excited to hear what's next. But your focus has got to be about the next generation to come and doing whatever it takes to connect them to Jesus. Amen? I want you to bow your ears, close your eyes where you are. First things first. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that's an important thing to deal with because you can't lead what you don't know. If you need Christ and you need to know who he is in your life, you've got a great staff of folks here and friends that love to talk to you about trusting Jesus and him alone to save you from your sins. Even myself, I grew up in church and I knew a lot about Jesus. I even tell people I played Jesus on a, on a float in a parade before I knew who Jesus was as my Lord. But I remember that moment, that time, and it changed my life forever. It changed the trajectory of my life. Maybe you're sitting here and you're already thinking about some people in your, that live around you, some, some children, some young people that you know aren't going anywhere. And God's already burdening your heart about making yourself available to put them in your car and get them here on Sundays or Wednesdays, whenever y'all meet. Move on that. Don't push that away. You can be the lifeline for a family and change the trajectory of a family forever. And their story, my story, could be their story. That somebody in this church was willing to inconvenience themselves and it radically changed the rest of their story going forward for God. And as your church continues to go forward, you need to be praying for unity, for a collective vision, and a spirit to do whatever it takes with whatever time we have left to reach people for Jesus. Don't discount what God can do through your life. He saved you. He's changing you. He wants to use you. And it's going to take all of us to make this happen. And when God shows up in a church like that, you get to see things that are greater than you could ever think or imagine. What a fun place to be when a unified group of people trust God enough to do amazing things. It's wild. 
And I want it for you so bad. I'm going to pray. This office open for you. You need Jesus. You need to make yourself available to your pastors and let them know that you're willing to do whatever it takes. Maybe you need to make yourself available to a ministry. You know, needs, needs some help or some work. You want to bring your family and pray. You want to ask God to do a work in your life. You can do it there. You can do it here. But let's talk to God for the next few minutes, okay? Father God, thank you for this time, this place. Thank you for your word. I pray that we would not be a stubborn and rebellious generation, but that we would trust you, that we'd walk in truth, that we'd love you with all of our hearts, love our neighbors as ourselves, and that you would do something in our time that only you can get credit for. God, we're good at what we do sometimes. We just kind of get in the habit of doing different things, but we want to be in a fresh place where you are active and alive, where you are changing lives, where you are moving us forward, where you are working on us and molding us in the image of your son. And God, may we make such an impact in this community at this time that generations to come would know you because of the faithfulness of this group. We thank you for what you're going to do. Most of all, we thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. You stand and sing. You come as the Lord leads this morning.